Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Rustrock. I'm here with my very special friend, Neil Gordon. Welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Now, you have several books out, and I'm, I'm going through your website. I mean, it's amazing. So let's start with your newest, it looks like, The Bomb Squad. Yes, that's, that's my newest book that was just released about two weeks ago. Oh, well, happy release. Thank you. What, little briefly, what is this one about? Well, um, it's historical fiction. It takes place in the New York metropolitan area in, in 1916, uh, right before America is about to enter World War I. World War I is already raging in Europe. America is still neutral. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not nothing going on here. Um, what's happening is that we have um, a lot of Germans living in the New York metropolitan area because they were basically stranded here because uh, a lot of Germans were going back and forth by ship, um, and then the ships got quarantined in harbor because it was too dangerous to cross. So mostly on the New Jersey side, it was a lot of German, Germans here and a lot of German nationals. And um, the story takes place between two patriots, uh, one, both German-American. Uh, one is um, Dr. Harold Schwartz. He is the a doctor and the administrator of Ellis Island Immigrant Hospital and also a German spy, and along with his father, who was a lifelong friend of the Kaiser Wilhelm. They're hell-bent on distracting America from entering the war. So they're blowing things up uh, in the New York area. And this is, there's lots of true historical events that I tie in um, at that time. And meanwhile, we have another German-American, but he's, he's an American. Uh, he's a New York City police detective, and he is um, recruited by the British Secret Intelligence Service, also known as the SIS, to assemble what they call the bomb squad, which is four other men, including himself, German-speaking, to stop this, um, these, these, you know, this, these disruptions, these violence that these German spies are creating. So that's the story. It's Clash of the Patriots, uh, two men who both think they're on the right side of history, two men who think they're doing the right thing. And it's a story of, you know, of love and betrayal, of, of, of all sorts of um, espionage and, and, and um, detectives trying to figure out what's going on. It stretches from the New York area to Germany uh, and back again. And it's an adventure story. It's a crime story. It's a historical fiction story. And, See, I, um, I love the ones that tie, tie in actual historical events because then you're left thinking, is this history or is this fiction? Yeah, well, that's why I like the genre of historical fiction because – you know, as you're reading a book and spending a lot of time reading a book, you're also learning something about history at the same time. So I make sure that whatever event that I'm talking about in my book actually happened at that time and try to make it as accurate as I can, yet I'm adding fictional characters that, to that event. But that's how the, you know, how, how historical fiction is created. Right. Now, typically on one book, how much time do you spend on research? Well, it's research the whole time I'm writing because um, I don't do all the research and then start writing. Um, I write what I call organically, which I don't have an outline. 
I'll have an idea of the story of when, I, when it takes place or where it needs to end up, and then I begin. So as I'm writing it, ideas come to me, and I want, might want to find an event that was important that occurred at that time in that place, and I'll tie it in. So research takes months, and the writing takes months. Uh, so it's, it's, it, goes, it goes concurrently together as, as, as I move along the process. See, I asked because you have the um, authors that plan every detail. Right. Like James Patterson, I believe he has a room with sticky notes, is how much detail he writes down before yeah, he writes right. anything. And right. He'll write, have, page, he'll write a 100-page outline uh, for his books before he gets, even begins. Yeah, see, it's crazy. But that's his process. Then you have right. organic writers like ourselves that just have an idea and start writing, then maybe research a little bit and then go from there. So right. Well, Stephen King writes organically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no idea. He has high idea of of a, of a story, of a, a germ of a story, and of characters. And he, but he has no idea where he, the story will end up. Right. Um, I like that process. I can't. I, the, the outline process to me, I tried it. I just. It doesn't fit with my personality and my writing style. And I like because it's a, I'm surprised at my story as I write it, where it brings me. And if I'm surprised, the reader will be surprised. Um, you know, the worst thing for a reader to, to experience is, is being bored with a story and putting it down. You know, right. that doesn't, doesn't, yes, that's no. terrible. So I want someone to be excited and page-turning and, you know, can't wait to get to the finish. Exactly. I, I do this with my own writing. It's... I'm writing a character, and then halfway through, I kill the character off. I wasn't meaning to kill him off. Right. Just, <laughs> right. The story just went that way. Exactly. And then people say, why did you kill that character off? And, like, it just had to. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. You talk to your fans, and they go, why did this happen at this point? Why couldn't something else happen? Well, sorry. It just yeah, yeah. People say that in my first book, *A Cobbler's Tale*, one of my main characters is, is killed, and a woman came up to me. She goes, "I love your book, but I have to, I'm complaining about one thing." I'm like, "What? What do you want? I can't believe you killed so and so off." I'm like, "Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, that's the way the story was." But, you so, know. what is *The Cobbler's Tale* about? Well, *The Cobbler's Tale* actually takes place around the same time as uh, *The Bomb Squad* takes place, but it's a Jewish immigration story. And it's, it's, it's basically about my great-grandparents, partially. I, I gave them much more, I exaggerated their life, of course, much more dramatically. And um, I made my great-grandfather much more heroic than he really was. Um, but it, it starts off in, in Poland, which uh, at that time wasn't called Poland. It was, it was part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire mm-hmm. in the region called Galicia. And they lived in a shtetl, which is a little Jewish village. And, you know, at that time, people were immigrating to, uh, to America, and in particular to the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So my great-grandfather decided he was going to immigrate, and he, he's a cobbler, and he was going to go first, get his business established, find a place to live, and then come back a year later and get his family, right. uh, which included his, his pregnant wife, and three children, and one of, the, one of the three children was my grandfather, and he was going to go back and get them. But as things turned out, he didn't go back in a year, and a couple of years later, World War I broke out, and he couldn't go back. And from there, that's how the story 
begins. Um, I'm not going to say anything more because I'll just be giving spoilers away. Right. We don't want spoilers, but at the same time, people have to understand during the 1900s, the early, between right before World War One and World War Two, a lot of the immigrants would come over, start their business, or find work, and then either send for their family or go back to retrieve their family. And yeah, it was course, very common. Yeah, right. it was. There was nothing wrong with that. That was what they were doing. Because you don't. Yeah, but what Pink, what Pinkus did though, he waited too long. He got. He was a little bit too greedy. He stayed here too long. He was too interested in his business. He was supposed to go back in a year. He waited a couple of years, and then it was. Uh oh, it was too late. And they were they lived in the bloodiest area, one of the bloodiest areas of the war, and uh, on the European continent. You had you know the the fighting in France, which was extremely bloody, but also the fighting in the Poland Polish area, who also mm-hmm. was very bloody between the um, the Austrians and the Germans versus the Russians, and that was very very bloody area. So they lived in a, in a war zone for, yeah. for for the entire war. The, you don't think about all the history that our ancestors went through. And, yeah, it was hard. Yes. And I'm glad that we have historical writers, historical fiction writers, because now you're teaching a little bit of the history that's not taught in schools, but at the same time you're doing it in a way that's entertaining and enlightening to a natural reader. Exactly, exactly. So that was that was a Cobbler's Tale. Um, the next book was Moonflower, which also was historical fiction, but that took place in, in, in the 1670s. It also in New York, but it was, actually it was before it was called New York. It was called New Amsterdam, and it was controlled by the Dutch. And this book takes place right when the English are about to take over New York area from the Dutch. And this is a story about a, a, a young, about a teenage boy, 17, 18-year-old boy, who ends up uh, living with Native Americans. And the way the story begins, he's going to go on this quest to connect with the great spirit. And in order to, to connect with the great spirit, the shaman is going to give him uh, this concoction that's made from the seeds of the moonflower, which is a flower that blooms only at night. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's called, and in the, we, we have that plant growing around here today too. It's called Datura. Um, it's hallucinogenic, very powerful. Um, but under the auspices and guidance of a shaman, when you take, you, when you drink the moonflower um, concoction, you lose your memory. So the book begins when the shaman is telling Lucas, uh, my protagonist, I want you to, he hands him parchment and, and a quill and says, I want you to write everything down about your life as you can remember from your, as long, your earliest memory up until your 17th birthday, wherever you are right now, and write everything down because this will be the document that you have that, we, that will tell you who you are uh, because when, when you come out of this, you won't remember a thing. So that's how the book begins. Um, he, he writes this down, and of course when he comes out of it, he has no memory. He has all these words that are written, but there's no emotional connection to those words. Right. It's just words on a page. It could be anyone's life. So, you know, so it's that struggle that he has to re- rebirth, refine himself. And then, of course, he has all these conflicts and evil characters and well, um, of in- evil Englishmen who he ha- has to uh, uh, come across during that tale. So that's the Moonflower story. And then you have the Righteous One. Yes, and that's a 
that's book two to A Cobbler's Tale, which takes place in 1960, where my grandfather, again, I give my grandfather all sorts of mystical powers in this. This is not, <laughs> this is not, this is not, metaf- this is not historical fiction. It's metaphysical fiction um, because this takes place um, uh, that the main character has these powers. He's, he has this connection to God. And um, he has these powers that he, you know, when someone is about to pass and, and, and Moshe, who's the main character, is there when, this, when whoever is passing away, he, he can actually make that connection so that person actually can see God right before they pass. He also has the power of making people feel calm and feel good when they're around him. But it was a power that he hasn't used since he was a child uh, and talked about in the first book, A Cobbler's Tale. But, but there's danger in New York, in, in, in the Bronx, and this evil character uh, is, is involved. And Moshe is called upon to resurrect these powers that he, he once had, and they have to try to destroy this evil. And the only way they can do this is in the dream world. So that's the metaphysical part about the story. Um, so I talk about lucid dreaming and and. and uh, Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, um, that very uh, evil character and a very good character. Um, and um, so that was my journey, my journey into metaphysical fiction. And then I mentioned, I'm sorry, go ahead. It looks like it came out really well. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I really had fun writing that story. Um, so yeah, I, I actually always I try to put in all my books except for the Bomb Squad. That's pretty mm-hmm. straight. I don't have any metaphysical content in there at all. Um, but all the other stories, The Cobbler's Tale, Moonflower, um, and my newest book that's coming out in a couple of weeks, um, Hope City, has all those elements of the mysticism in, into the stories. Well, since we do have a new release coming out, what is your new release about? Yeah, right now it's being. I'm, I'm getting down with, with having a proofread, and then it's got to be formatted and, and uploaded onto Amazon. So it's a couple of weeks away before it's going to be ready. I'm, I'm anticipating around a June 1st release. Mm-hmm. This book is called Hope City. It takes place in 1898. This is the first book that's not taking place in the New York metropolitan area. This takes place in Alaska during the summer of 1898 during the gold rush. And uh, it's a story of... Uh, again, two 17-year-old boys who just graduated from high school in San Francisco and talked their parents into allowing them to go up on the steamship, the Bertha, to this little town in Alaska where this gold rush is going on, and they want to go seek their fortunes. And so it's a, they, they're allowed to go, and they travel up to this town in Alaska, and it's sort of this trip down the rabbit hole for them. Um, well, in particular for my main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all these um, bizarre things happen to him during this couple of months while he's up in, in Alaska during the gold rush and meeting all sorts of interesting characters up there. Um, so, again, I'm not going to give away too much, but that's, that's called Hope City, and that will be out probably around June 1st. Awesome. Now, w- when did you decide you wanted to just start writing? Well, um, I started writing seriously when I first started Cobbler's Tale, which is a couple of years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to write fiction. Uh, I've written several business books, 
um, coaching books and, um, and, and, and business books in my, in my, in my profession, uh, nonfiction, obviously, but I always loved the idea of having, of being a, being a writer, of being an author or being a novelist. And it just, I just got kickstarted, uh, at once a couple of years ago, like 2017 to get going. And that's all it took. It got that, like I started the engine and it's, it's still roaring away. So I love the process. I love writing. Um, and I, I, I love having a creative outlet mm-hmm. where I could always be producing something and, and being productive. So even during these, these four weeks I've been locked up, it's been wonderful for me as a writer to have all this extra free time to sit and write. So it's been very productive for me to do that. Um, I love it. And I also love, I love being a writer. It's, um, it's, it's, it's really a very rewarding thing to do when people come to you after they read your book and, and tell you how much they've loved it. You know, when you compare artists, different types of artists, mm-hmm. one to another, if you're a painter um, or if you go into, go into a museum, you know, a patron of the arts may just spend a couple of hours in a museum and then come home. Or if you love music and like to go to concerts, if you go to a concert, it might be a couple hours at a concert. You like it and you go home. But when you have to read a book, when you sit down and reading a book, you, you're investing weeks and sometimes months in reading that book. So, you know, you're asking a lot of a reader uh, who is going to take your work and delve into it and then get back to you and let you know how they, how they feel about it. So it's a big investment uh, for, for uh, the audience to pick up one of your books and read them. So you know, I really like that, that part of it. And then when I, when I hear positive things coming back, that's, that's extremely rewarding. Exactly. We love our readers so much as authors. We love our reviews. That's how we grow as authors is our reviews. Yeah. Come exactly. up to yeah, if you come up to an author and start talking about our books, you just made our year. Yeah, exactly. That's my favorite topic if someone's wants to talk to me about my book. Exactly. And then we're getting we're listening to everything you're saying. That way we can incorporate it somewhere, somehow, in another book. Yeah, very true. You know, what I like to do for your audience mm-hmm. and you you sort of led me into this. Um, because, as you said, reviews are very important, and it's always the hardest thing to get for a writer, you know, especially get your reviews on Amazon. I, I once heard or figured that uh, for every 100 books that you sell, you can get one review. Mm-hmm. So that's not a very good, <laughs> good batting no. average in terms of getting reviews. But because not that, you know, it's not that people don't like your book. It's just people don't leave reviews. Right. So what I would like to do for your audience as a gift – to you and to your audience, is offer a free download of my book, The Bomb Squad, in exchange for a review. So if they want to email me, um, I will then return a PDF copy of my book. Um, hopefully they'll read it, and hopefully they'll give, give me a review, and hopefully they'll give me five stars. Uh, and it works for me, and it works for them. So they get a free copy of my book, and I, hopefully I can get a nice review. So if they email me at neilperrygordon at gmail.com, um, I'll send them a copy, a PDF copy of the book, The Bomb Squad. Awesome. And I'll make sure that link for your email is also in the um, YouTube video and wherever else I post it. So they can actually get your email right on the post. Perfect. 
So this works great. This is what, why I love organic radio, because we can do little things like this. It's not scripted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And we have so much fun doing different things. Now, I know you have a book coming out with all this free time that you have to write. Are you working on something? <laughs> yes. I have just finished the first draft of a new manuscript um, that the book, I, I won't get to my editor title June. So mm-hmm. in terms of publishing, probably the earliest this will be published will be in August, I'm guessing. Um, but it's called White Slave. Um, it's, it's a darker story than I've ever written before. I'm, I'm ch- sort of challenging myself to going mm-hmm. to places where I never thought I would go, but you know, when I just, I, 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 I sort of mentioned the, the story idea in two of my books. It's a little seed that's planted and when I, I talk about it a bit, but it, it talks about, it's, it's about sex slaves, mm-hmm. um, in the 19, 1930. And so I was like, God, can I write this type of book? And I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do it. And uh, I made it through. <laughs> I, I got down the first draft. And I'm going to go back now and make sure it's as, it's as dark and, you know, and as and emotional as I could possibly make it. Um, but, you know, as a writer or as, as any artist, you always want to try to evolve and challenge yourself to new things that you're not comfortable with doing. Right. Um, because that's the whole idea is, you know, to go out of your comfort zone. So I tried doing that with this book. Um, you know, it's always I, I would like hold my breath to like get it to my editor and then she'll come back and say, yeah, this is great. Uh, which she said every time so far. So, but this is really something, you know, not, I've never done before. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Well, it sounds interesting. Okay. I have no, no idea what it, this looks like. You, you haven't even given it to your editor, but um, it sounds interesting, but you can also kind of with the sex slaves, go into relating to now, if the reader's mind goes there, to the uh, trafficking right now. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because the whole thing with this, um, with, with trafficking, it, it, it was some articles that were written uh, about this, you know, uh, Jeffrey, was who that guy in New York, Jeffrey Stein, was it, um, who, got, who, who killed himself in prison, who yeah, was sex yeah. trafficking young women in Manhattan, getting young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an article written about him tying into the, this time of what I was writing about. Because the book takes place in in uh, Poland in 1930 and in Buenos Aires. It mostly takes place in Buenos Aires. So I'll give you a little little synopsis of the story. Um, there is there was this Jewish mafiosa type group called Z Migdal, and what they would do, they would go to Poland, and they would go to these Jewish shtetls where everyone was very poor, and they would put um, advertisements up in the synagogue advertising rich Argentinian men who want to marry young Jewish women um, and bring them back to Buenos Aires. But it was, it was a deceitful thing. They were actually bringing them back as sex slaves and putting them in brothels as sex slaves in Buenos Aires. And it was rampant all throughout Buenos Aires and other surrounding cities um, during the late 20s and mid 30s. Uh, so this really happened. And um, so yeah, they, this was trafficking going on back then. So my story is, you know, it's a love story that begins in Poland. Um, the Jewish girl wants to marry a non Jewish boy. Father's like, no way is this happening. He panics, 
basically sells his daughter to this rich Argentinian man who's one of these recruiters for these for the Zvi McDowell, takes her back to Buenos Aires and puts her in a brothel as a sex slave. And of course, my hero, her fiance who loves her, has to go and rescue her. Um, so that's that's a little synopsis of the story. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it it's creates awesome. a lot of conflict. Yeah. Well, yeah, the the whole thing is conflict, but at the same time, they make great stories. But you yeah, have to you need conflict at, for a story. Yeah, it's the only way you get a story is if there's conflict. Exactly. But we're almost out of time, so where can our readers find you? Well, my website is the best, um, uh, neilperrygordon.com. You can go right to my website. And if you want to just go right to my books, you can go to Amazon and look up my name, Neil Perry Gordon, under books. And um, I have uh, all my books are available in ebook and in paperback. My first two are also available in audiobook. And The Bomb Squad and Righteous One are being recorded right now for audio. So in another couple of weeks or so, I'll have all four books available in ebook, paperback, and audio. Awesome. Well, yeah. it was great having you on the show. And when oh, thank you. your next book comes out, I'd be love to have you on to talk about that one a little bit more. Thank you. You're welcome. And for all of our readers, don't forget to email Neil and get a free copy of The Bomb Squad, and all it takes is a review. So happy reading, everyone. <laughs>